0: Okay, MMA on the Rock. As always, my name is Phil. I'm joined on the phone by Jeff the Animal Wilson. And Jeff, pretty big deal. Big episode number ten.
1: Finally, we made it into double digits.
0: <laughs> they said we couldn't do it, but here we are. Uh, <laughs> now
1: ten episodes in, and uh, I'm still having a lot of fun with this. Yeah, dude, it's fun. We got uh, quite a few listeners. And I don't know about you, Bill, but I just enjoy talking to you about violence.
0: <laughs> Likewise, Jeff. That's that's why you're the most consistent guest on the show. <laughs> we won't talk about the fact that you're one of two guests that have been on the show, but <laughs> you by far have to be the crowd favorite. Um, but, yeah, no, we're having a good time with this, and what I want to do is kind of get some more people involved. So I want to kick off a new segment today that I'm calling a community shot, so we take a shot with people who are interacting with us on social media and uh, turn it kind of into a drinking game, but metaphorically speaking, so it's not a literal shot, although, you know, we, if we could do shots with the people on Twitter, that would be phenomenal. We need to figure out a way to do that somehow.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Okay, so what I did was I asked people on Twitter you know, what they wanted to talk about and what their opinions were mostly surrounding UFC on Fox twenty one. So so we'll start with the news that way. So at Legtick MMA asked um or didn't ask really but but said that the biggest story coming out of UFC on Fox twenty one had to be Condit kind of playing with the idea of retiring. I don't know if you heard that or not at the post fight press conference.
1: Yeah, I did and I was a little concerned because I I don't want him to retire. He's a fun fighter to watch and I feel like he's still got a lot in him. Okay, so are you saying you agree here then
0: with the uh, Leg Kick MMA that this is probably the biggest news to come out of this fight card?
1: I, I don't know if I agree with that because that whole fight card was pretty spectacular.
0: Yeah, definitely a lot going on there. And I know, you know, the hardcore fans definitely are going to be upset if Carlos Condit, you know, if that was his last time in the cage. I mean, the guy... is really been in some wars over the years he's definitely a finisher definitely an exciting fighter always goes for broke um you he, he know you're never going to have a boring fight when he steps in there so that would definitely be huge for the hardcore mma fans if carlos condit were to walk away after that loss to damian meyer what do you think
1: yeah i definitely agree with that um condit you know he's such a great fighter and I feel like I said, I feel like he's got a lot left in him. So to see him go out like that, uh, for me I'd I'd be a little disappointed.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I would definitely be disappointed. Um the other side of it is he is only thirty two years old. I mean you would think he's older because he, he's been around so long, you know, going back to the W E C days, um when he was he was finishing Guys over there. Uh, and, and he was exciting then. He was he was one of the reasons to tune into WBC, in my opinion. But only 32 years old. Physically, he may have a lot left in him, or, you know, he may not. He's been in a lot of wars over the years. The big question mark is going to be, is he mentally capable of carrying on in a career like this? Because what he said at the post-fight press conference was, I don't know if I belong performing or competing at this level anymore. And I feel like once a fighter starts thinking that way and starts going down that path, it's a very slippery slope, and it, it it's hard to build your confidence back up, I would imagine, uh, at, after thinking like that. Um, so the mental game definitely playing a, a huge part here. You don't want to see a guy, especially a guy who is as credible of a fighter as Carlos Condit, you know, go into that cage doubting himself and, and then get himself hurt. You know, luckily he he didn't get injured in this fight with Damian Maya, but if he's already kind of mentally checked out, um you know, that could be that could be dangerous for a guy getting in there and doing this.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. The mental aspect plays such a big role in a game like this where you have to be mentally tough. And, you know, not saying that Condit is not, but if he's already, you know, thinking the way he is, uh you know, he might not last much longer just based on the mental aspect of things. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I, I think you definitely have to take that into consideration. I know he comes from a good camp there out uh, at Jackson Um What do you think about the idea that a camp that's that big and has that many big-name fighters could possibly be a little oversaturated and maybe some guys are not getting the attention that they need or, you know, getting the confidence that they need? out of their camp to, to get in there. Do you think that's kind of a possibility?
1: Yeah, that's a toughie, too, because, you know, in any camp or in any fighting gym, you want to be the guy. And it's hard to be the guy when there's a list of other fighters who, you know, they could also be the guy. So it's hard because, you know, there's a lot more competition, and I guess mentally it makes you a little bit disenchanted when when you're not the center of attention in the fight gym.
0: Yeah, and that can definitely play into building that confidence back up that he would need to get back in there and be mentally strong and not get himself hurt. So maybe maybe a change of camp is what Carlos Condit needs. Maybe he needs a, a, a smaller camp that can kind of rally around him a little bit and, and build him back up and, and get his headspace right. Um, so while we're on the topic. Before we get to the uh, next community shot, what did you think about the actual fight between him and
1: Maya? Yeah, you got to give it to Maya, man. That dude is... He's got that sick jiu-jitsu game that everybody talks about, and he didn't disappoint. You know, he, he's just so dominant on the ground. And if you've never seen Carlos Condit fight before, you would think that he's an amateur. But Carlos Condit has some slick jiu-jitsu as well. So, you know, for Demi and Maya to dominate him the way he did on the ground... Uh, is a real testament to Damien Maya's high level jujitsu.
0: Yeah, definitely. It kind of, it, 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 was almost like he lulled him in because it was like, it seemed like a very slow sequence of events and Damien Maya was able to get him to the ground and then, you know, just slowly strangle him. It reminded me of the snake in the jungle book that used yeah. like the, the, <laughs> the hypnosis and, and, uh, you know, hypnotizes Mobley while he's like wrapping his body around him. It seems like, you know, Condit definitely has the ability to defend a rear naked choke and, and defend getting his guard passed. Which I don't know if you noticed or not, Damian Maya didn't even fully pass his guard. He got in yeah. He got into the top half guard and then maybe like a three quarter mount and just dug his knee into the mat, started hitting Condit. And then Condit just turned over on his back, and Maya just magically had his hooks in. It was, it was really, really smooth jujitsu. And I mean, I don't know how many people have said time after time he's got the best jujitsu in the UFC. I think we may have said it a time or two on this card. But um, if you didn't think so before, it's kind of hard to argue that point now.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, Demi and Maya, like you said, man. Um, it was just really, really smooth the way he ended up locking up that choke. And I had a question for you. What do you think about Demian Maia waiting for the winner of Woodley and Wonderboy instead of taking a fight in between?
0: I think he definitely should. There's no use risking it because he's definitely at the top right now. And he actually, at the post fight press conference, asked Wonderboy to step aside so he could get the title shot because. He's older and he has less time than Wonderboy does. Um so I thought this was kind of funny. I thought that hmm. this is an argument that would maybe work in Bellator <laughs> 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 because the older you are in Bellator, the higher your stock goes up.
1: Yeah, that that's kind of a funny thing to do, like publicly, <laughs> Just to ask somebody to to get out of the way for you because you're older. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean it, it's not like it's not like you're online at the grocery store and like, excuse me, son, can I get here and pay for my Metamucil? Uh <laughs> And you let the guy pass you online because you're not in a hurry, and you feel bad because he's got to get to bed at eight o'clock at night. You know, this is for the, the World Championship of, of Mixed Martial Arts and, and the most elite promotion. So kind of a big ask, but I guess you can't knock them for trying.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: definitely. In any case, it still seems like Tyron Woodley's not interested in fighting Maya or Wonder Boy. He's still kind of buying for that, that GSP or that Nick Diaz, whatever the case. Uh, the problem here is I don't see this being anything other than a co-main event, no matter who it is. Because Woodley vs Maya and Woodley vs Wonderboy, I just don't see it carrying a card, a pay per view card anyway. Um, definitely fight night worthy, but you know, you can't put this as the headline of like the New York card, for example.
1: Yeah, yeah. I definitely agree with you on that. I mean, you for the New York card, it's gonna be the first legal um mixed martial arts event in the mm-hmm. city of New York. So it's like, you know, you, you gotta put on a show, man. It's, it's the garden. It's, you know, so many legends have played there. If the UFC, anything less than a spectacular, you know, the UFC has failed.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so it'll be interesting because in the next week or so, we should start hearing announcements as to who's gonna be on that card. And, uh, I, I can't wait to talk about it. That's gonna be really exciting. But let's go on to the next, uh, community shot here, which comes from at the Beard and the Man. So that's The Beard, just the letter N, The Man on Twitter. And uh, he he wants to know our thoughts on CM Punk versus Mickey Gall. So this fight is still two weeks away, and I know we have a fight card in between, but UFC is doing documentaries on this, and uh, it's a big talking point. And I guess getting a lot of people outside of the UFC interested. Uh, any kind of preliminary thoughts
1: on this, Jeff? I mean, I'm a little concerned for Phil Brooks. Um, You know him as CM Punk, as most people do, but his real name is Phil Brooks. You know, I have so many questions, you know, how long has he been training? Does he train every day? How many times a day does he train? You know, like he's trying to do, uh, I want to say like decades of work in like two or three years, and I don't know if that's humanly possible.
0: Yeah, it's definitely going to be a rough go for him. Uh, I mean, Egal has one fight in the UFC, and I think he has one other professional fight. Um, so he's still fairly new himself, but we're coming up on two years since CM Punk made this announcement. Um, so he's been teasing it almost as long as GSP's been teasing a comeback. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, overall, I feel like it's good for the sport. Either way, you, you have the There's two arguments here, though. So it's good for the sport of MMA if if Phil Brooks comes in and just gets mugged by Mickey Gall because that proves that you can't just come in off the street and succeed at this sport. Um, In terms of entertainment value, uh, you, you want Phil Brooks to win because then you lure in all these people who are fans of the WWE and, you know, they start to see that what they were watching was, you know, nothing compared to, you know, the, the talent that exists in, in UFC. And then you possibly encourage other athletes to cross over and make make room for some more novelty fights, um, which, you know, will be better for the brand. So you have, you know, if you're an MMA purist, I'd say you want to see Mickey Gall win. If you're in it for the entertainment value, you're going to be rooting for punk, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, um, and going back to what you were saying about the crossover from WWE to UFC, uh, let's not forget for a second that, you know, Brock Lesnar went down this same road, and he he made a really big splash, you know, I was like, oh my god, this dude's like, he was a pro wrestler, he's not gonna know what he's doing, and then he knocked out, he tapped out Shane Carwin, you know, became the heavyweight champion in the UFC, so... If CM Punk could repeat a feat like that, I feel like it would add such a legitimacy to the athleticism and the talent that these professional wrestlers have.
0: Yeah. The only difference there is Brock does actually come from a competitive fighting background, NCAA wrestling champion, um but whereas Phil Brooks has never even been in, in a point karate match, um or you know anything no no amateur boxing he has literally no professional fighting experience, no professional combat experience so that's that's the big difference between those two but um you know he could be a very gifted athlete and and that could translate well I mean he's trained up there with uh Duke Rufus, so who knows what kind of magic that worked that worked on him? I would imagine that those guys aren't gonna put their reputation on the line unless they were confident the guy could at least get in there. And, throw a punch.
1: Yeah, you're you're making a great point there. And uh yeah, um the thing with CM Punk is I think uh I might be mistaken, but he might have been training a little bit of Jiu while he was still a pro wrestler. So, you know, I I'm curious to see uh what level he's at there as well. Uh because yeah. no one's ever actually mentioned what rank he is in jiu jitsu.
0: Yeah, I believe he was just on the verge of getting his blue belt when he made the announcement. Uh, so I think right when he started training, he may have gotten his blue belt. And then, which for those of you who don't know, it starts off with white. Blue is the second rank. Goes so purple, brown, black. So, you know, not high-level jiu-jitsu by any means. But we're also coming up on two years since he made this announcement. He made the announcement in December 2014. So December will be two years since he actually signed with the UFC. And um, we're finally going to get to see him fight in two weeks. Um, moving on, and the, the, next, the last and uh, community shot comes from at Brian Mack 8500, Brian M A C 8500 on Twitter. Um, so he just kind of left a string of comments here. We started off with happy for Pettis, and I'm really excited to talk about that fight. He's looking at Felipe Silva, who had a first round knockout over Shane Campbell, very impressive. Uh, and he said, Alvy. Talented puncher is hard to come by. Um, kind of a true story. I mean, if you take Anthony Rumble Johnson out of the picture, uh, you, don't, you don't have a lot of uh, notable guys who are just known for their, their punching power. And he says that Enrique Boza, or Enrique Barzola, sorry, will continue to improve. He lost a razor-sharp decision uh on that card. But so let's rewind and, and let's go back to the co-main event, Anthony Pettis and Charles Oliveira. So uh, let's get your your reaction to this fight, Jeff. Yeah.
1: I was shocked, man. I mean, Charles Oliveira is a serious jujitsu guy. And for Pettis to tap a guy like that, man, that's just a huge credit to, to Pettis, who is so unbelievably talented. And, like, I, I can't tell you how surprised I was to see that. You know, um The guillotine seems to be one of his best submissions. Uh, He beat Gilbert Melendez with it uh, a few years back. And, you know, congrats to him. He got a huge win against a really, really good grappler and submission artist.
0: Yeah. I mean, you have to be impressed with the jiu-jitsu because Charles O'Vara is a very high-level black belt. Uh, Anthony Pettis, I feel like, is known more for his stand-up, but he does have more wins by submission. He's got nine wins by submission. Uh, seven wins by knockout. You know, not coming from the best of times. He dropped three in a row at lightweight before deciding to cut. It's a big cut for him because he wasn't a small lightweight. So he's, yeah. he's a huge featherweight. Um, Charles Oliveira is a huge featherweight, too. So this was a good first test for him. Uh, he passed his flying colors. It's great to see him bounce back mentally from dropping three in a row because, as we all know, that's the scary number of your UFC career, but I guess it, you know if you've been printed on a Wheaties box, you're the exception to that rule. Um, <laughs> but definitely a great win for Pettis and he was able to avoid some bad spots. I mean, Olivera had his back a couple times and uh, he, he's beaten him up. It, to me, it looked like he broke Olivera's orbital bone and I, I did not see anything any medical report confirming that but the side of his face was really swollen. So, you know, he, he knocked him he gave him a pretty good beating before he actually tapped him out. And, uh, really often to see him go for the finish, um, when he probably could about pulling them in that third round there.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. And, you know, aside from Pettis' ground game, which, you know, like you said, he got out of some really bad spots, but Pettis' stand up was so much, was miles better than Charles Oliveira's. And, you know, he was doing some really heavy damage to the body in addition to, I don't know if he injured his occipital bone or anything, but, you know, um, Pettus was landing some really hard body shots. He loves that left uh, liver kick, which he's so good at. And in the first or second round, it was noticeable that that did a lot of damage.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, great to see him have some success at right I think there's some interesting matchups for him there, and uh, it's good to see that he had a pretty decent gas tank at that weight, too. I mean, finishing the fight, uh, two minutes into the third round after, after going to war. The first two rounds is definitely impressive. Um, so let's move on to Paige Van Zandt and Beck Rawlings, which, wow, w- what a finish from the, <laughs> from
1: the, uh, celebrity dancer, Paige Van Zandt. Yeah, that, that was a highlight, real, you know, KO of the week, man. And, you know, Beck Rawlings in the first round, she looked good. I thought she won the first round. Uh, she, it looked like she worked a little bit harder, but all the credit in the world to Paige Van Zant, man. Wow. What a stellar, um, switch kick into a head kick knockout. That was really nice.
0: Yeah, it was really amazing. That's, that's really tough to pull off. I mean, it looks super cool, but, you know, it, it's hard to wrap your head around what she actually did. You know, she disguised the kick with one foot and sent the other foot flying into, Beck Rawlings' face. Um, and, and Beck Rawlings has some, some really solid stand up. I agree with you. She, she definitely won that first round. And, um, you know, Cage is, is super tough, as we all know. It seems like, um, she needs to take a couple of shots to wake up sometimes. You know, kind of reminiscent of like a Chris lee
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, in a few of her fights, she's, she's like needed a couple of shots to wake up. And, uh, she was definitely getting outstruck in that first round. But I don't know what her corner said to her, but you know it must have been great advice because she came out and got a really serious win against a good, a tough contender.
0: Yeah, definitely, and I'm sure she got some great advice from those Team Alpha Male coaches over there in her corner. But speaking of waking up, I don't see how anybody could sleep through a fight between Jim Miller and Joe Lozon. Um, well, one of the, one of the best fights on the card, I feel like, and. And it, I don't think it lived up to, you know, how epic their first fight was. But I I don't know if, if there is a fight that could live up to that. I mean, that's one of the that's one of the, the best fights of all time in my opinion. But what did you think about their second contest here? Tim?
1: Yeah, I was I thought it was good. One of like you said, one of the best fights on the card. And you know, to go back to comparing it to the first fight, I mean, that I don't know if we'll ever see a fight like that first one again, man. You know, it was just a bloody war. Uh, Both guys going at it, leaving everything in the cage. When you consider all that, I think this one lived up pretty well, as best as it could have.
0: Yeah, definitely. I thought the story of the fight and I thought what would get him the decision was Joe Lozon's jiu-jitsu. The fact that he was able to kick Jim Miller down and pass his guard with ease. And as we know, Jim Miller, high-level black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu that you know Lozon was, was passing his guard, you know, as if he were a white belt.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean Joe Lozon I, I mean, you know, he he was definitely more dominant on the ground. Um I really only gave maybe the first or second round to Jim Miller. So the the decision was a little surprising to me. But what do you think, Bill? Do you think it was the right call or do you think there's some controversy in there? I don't think it was the right call,
0: but, um, you know, I could see an argument for either guy. I think Miller definitely won the first round. I would have given two and three to Lozon just because of the takedowns and and the jiu-jitsu, and he was really going for a finish also. I mean, he mounted him at the end of the fight and and went for that armbar against a guy with with Jim Miller's caliber of jiu Uh, What he was able to do, I think, makes it more impressive. And maybe I was distracted by that and, and didn't give Jim Miller enough credit for the damage that he did. But I, I was surprised to see Jim Miller get his hand raised. And, um, you know, I guess there's no need. What I would have liked to see is Lozon win and then see these guys go at it a third time because they're such a great matchup and I feel like they're so evenly matched. But with Jim Miller winning two in a row, there's really no need for them to fight a third time now.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Well, like you said, I felt like Joe Lozon did more. I felt like he was a little more dominant, and, you know, maybe his performance kind of uh overshadowed Miller's, but, you know, I still felt like Joe Lozon should have gotten the nod on this one. Uh That's mm-hmm. just me, you know. Any, any of the Twitter followers, you guys can let us know what you guys thought, but personally, I, I thought Lozon did more to get the win.
0: Yeah, but Lozon was super respectful, too. He, he uh, tweeted Jim Miller after the fight, and he said, I thought I did enough win the fight, but I'll never complain about judging. Congrats to Jim Miller. You know, I had so much respect for him, and then, you know, Miller responded with equally respectful praise for Joe Lozon. Seems like these guys have genuine respect for each other, and and that's really cool to see that they can get in there and have a war like that and, and still have great sportsmanship.
1: Yeah, definitely, man. Huge credit to both these guys. They're so likable, both of them as fighters, you know. And to see that much sportsmanship and respect and, you know, Joe Lozon could have easily gone up and chewed the judges out, but he didn't do that. So, you know, all the credit in the world to both of these guys.
0: Yeah, definitely. And and Joe knows that he, he needs to go for finishes and, and not leave it in the hands of the judges. And I think he genuinely believes that. Uh, so much respect for both of these guys. Can't wait to see both of them fight soon. They're both pretty active, so I'm sure they'll both get in there pretty quick. Um, one fight that we didn't need the judge's opinion on was Sam Alvey versus Kevin Casey. Uh, Alvey getting the TKO uh, right at the end of the second round. Um, so putting some, uh, some punching skills on display there. Big win for Sam Alvey, and he's looking to have a quick turnaround. He wants to get on the Manchester card coming up, I believe which is in a couple months. I'm not sure exactly, but he said he's having a hard time finding an opponent, and he's even considering moving up to 205. Uh, any thoughts on this fight, or Alvy fighting soon and moving up in weight?
1: Uh, I mean, Alvy looks pretty dominant against uh, Case. and again, um, So he, he's a heavy hitter, man. So I would love to see him move up in weight and see how he does against some guys who, can, who will probably be able to take a harder shot from from Alvey. So that would be really fun to watch. Yeah, it'll
0: be interesting. And on his way up to 205, he may pass Rashad Evans on his way down. (laughs) Because Rashad Evans announcing today that he plans on making a move to 185, and he really wants to get on the New York card. Uh, No opponent scheduled yet, but he said his manager is working on it. And one rumor is that he may be facing off with Tim Kennedy at 185 in New York. So, what are your thoughts on Sugar Rashad moving down to 185?
1: Uh Well, we were actually talking a, a little bit about this before the podcast, and I thought that, you know, um, Rashad Evans is kind of a big dude, so I feel like going down to 185 might not be the best option for him. Um, yeah. You know, when he was on the Ultimate Fighter, he won that as a heavyweight. Yeah. So, you know, he, he's a he's a bulky guy. Um, but I would love to see him fight Tim Kennedy. That would be, I'd pay money to watch that. That, that sounds like a really, really fun fight to watch.
0: Yeah, it does not it doesn't. Uh, I, I don't know how, how excited I am about this move, to tell you the truth. And, you know, I guess the reason he's moving down is because he's coming off two losses in a row, at light heavyweight, his last loss was a devastating KO at the hands of Glover Teixeira. And then after seeing what Rumble Johnson did to him, I wouldn't want to stay in that weight class either.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, the light heavyweight division has some powerful dudes, man. Uh Like you said, Rumble Johnson, and I don't care what anybody says, Alexander Gustafson is still one of the top light heavyweights in the world. I know he's got a couple of big losses But, you know, he's, he's so technical and I love Gustafson, so I'm souping him up right now. But, um, (laughs) you know, that's just a testament to how stacked the light heavyweight division is, at least in the top five. You know, once you get out of the top five, it's a little harder to find some good fighters, but, you know, there's Uh still, I feel like there's still a lot of talent there.
0: Yeah. So let me, let me, uh, kind of present a couple of other facts here that may sway your opinion on this move by Rashad. And it may not. So he's 36 years old which is, you know, in the upper end. He's going to be actually 37 next month. His last fight, knocked out by Glover Teixeira. A fight before that, lost the decision to Ryan Bader. Okay, Bader's a top contender. Before that, he beat Chael Sonnen, who technically is a middleweight, competed at middleweight, never had trouble making weight. Then he beat Dan Henderson by split decision, who technically is a middleweight. Then he had two losses in a row uh to Noguera, Lil Nog, and John Jones. Um so the last legit light heavyweight that he beat was a decision win over Phil Davis
1: in 2012. Yeah, that's that. Uh, when you put it that way, it's not voting too well for him. But um, you know, Rashad Evans, you know, it's hard not to like the guy. So I I would always watch a Rashad Evans play. I like Rashad Evans, and um, I I kind of like Tim Kennedy too. You know you know they won't hold back. They'll pretty much go at it. So that's why I'm excited to see Tim Kennedy versus Rashad Evans. But like I said, yep. I don't know if moving down to 185 is the best move for Rashad.
0: Yeah, I mean consider the fact that this is the the biggest uh, jump in weight that that you can make in the UFC. I mean it's 20 pounds below that. And it's not like Rashad walked around at 205. I would imagine he was cutting weight to get to 205. So he's going to have to lose, let's say he loses enough weight to get to 205, then you're still looking at a 20-pound weight cut at 37 years old. So I'm kind of interested to see if he can pull it off. I know he's a very disciplined athlete, and obviously he still has a mental stake in this game, but you got to be a little bit concerned for a guy who, which should potentially be thinking about hanging up the gloves at 37 years old. But I guess we'll see what happens. I hope I'm wrong.
1: Yeah, you know, I think you're right in, you know, the aspect that Rashad might be, you know, his time might be winding down. He did have a big, uh, I want to say like a big knee surgery or something. So, you know, that's something else to think about. So we'll see where where he chooses to go.
0: Yeah, a lot of miles, a lot of miles. Um, So, before we wrap up, I want to touch on this fight card coming up Saturday night. I mean, man, we're, we're getting spoiled here. Third third Saturday in a row, and then the weekend after that is, uh, Steve and Alistair Overeem and CM Punk. But, you know, this weekend coming up, we got a pretty awesome card in Hamburg, Germany. You'll see Fight 993, headlined by Andre Orlovsky and Josh Barnett. What are your thoughts on that, uh, headline? Oh, dude,
1: that, that is an awesome fight. I know Josh Barnett is your boy. <laughs> and uh you know I love watching him fight. You know he's 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 the last war master, and you know he's a fighter's fighter. He goes out there, he brawls, but he's also super technical with his submissions. And Andrey Arlovsky, you know he's had a tough couple of fights in the past, but uh, you know his record ha- hasn't been terrible in the last couple of fights. So I'm interested to see the both of them and see how they do because they're they're up there in years, but they're still really good fighters.
0: Yeah. So they're both uh, thirty-seven, I believe, and these are guys who have been in the conversation. At least one of them has been in the conversation at any given point in time for the past—I don't know how long—and it, and it's almost surprising that they've never crossed paths before um, because they they came up around the same time. Before, but as a as a longtime fan, you have to be excited for this one. And these are two guys who always bring it. Uh, both of them rarely go to decision. They they're always looking for a finish. Both of them exciting fighters. you got to be a little concerned for Olavsky coming off of two pretty bad knockouts against the uh, champ Stephen Neotis, and the uh, number one contender, Alistair Overeem. Both knocked him out pretty bad. you got to kind of be a little concerned for the pit bull here.
1: Yeah, a little bit, but, um, you know, uh, I kind of don't like how things with Alistair Overeem went down because they were in the same camp and Overeem wanted to fight because, you know, they fought together and stuff. But uh aside from that, uh, yeah, I, I'm a little concerned for Arlovsky. You know, he's he's had some really tough wars, but so has Josh Barnett. Uh-huh. But like you, like you said, as a longtime MMA fan, uh, one, I'm surprised that they haven't crossed paths before, because like you said, they've been in the game for a really long time, and they've been in the game for about the same amount of time. And, you know, as a, again, as a hardcore MMA fan, I'm glad to finally see them fight each other. It's, it's a fight that I, I think is gonna really, really be interesting. Yeah.
0: Another interesting fight, uh, co-main event. Your boy, Alexander Gustafsson, uh, against Jan Blakowicz, Polish fighter. Um, to me, this looks like, uh, I hate to put it this way, but a blatant tune-up fight for Gustafsson. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I don't know too much about his opponent. Um, So to call it a tune-up fight, I think you're hitting the nail on the head. Um, And remember Gustafsson just came off of two tough losses to Rumble Johnson where he got, you know, he got knocked out pretty bad. Uh, You know, he was crying because that fight was actually in Sweden. So for him to lose like that in front of his fans, he felt awful. And then he lost to the now current light heavyweight champion, uh, Daniel Cormier, and, you know, I think that's a testament to how tough this light heavyweight division is, because in my mind, uh, Alexander Gustafson is the only man to have ever beat John Jones. So, you know, it's, it's really, really tough, but I, I agree. I think this is a tune-up fight.
0: Yeah. I mean, he definitely gave John Jones uh, a run for his money. I would like to see Gustafson, you know, back in the title picture. He has dropped three out of his last four. So hopefully he, he uh, gets an impressive win here. But, you know, this is MMA. Anything can happen. So, you know, Jan Blackwoods could come out of left field and and, and win an upset. Um, the third fight on this card is, is one that I'm super excited for, actually. Ryan Bader against Le, uh, Alir Latifi. Uh, Alir Latifi is just like a little, uh, I don't want to say little, but, you know, he's just so stockily built, and he's just such a powerhouse. Um, I feel like this could be a bad matchup for Bader. Uh, he's got great wrestling, but, you know, it, if he tries that, that shot from that double leg from 40 yards out, like he did against Rubble Johnson, uh, he could be running into, uh, some big bombs on the way in, which, which could be bad news for him, but definitely an interesting matchup. He's got a big, you know, bombing striker against, you know, the the All-American wrestler.
1: Uh, any thoughts on this fight, Jeff? Yeah, I definitely agree with you on what you said on uh, Ryan Bader's shot. Uh, we were actually at the Rumble fight. Uh, we weren't there together. We had separate seats. But we were there in Newark uh, when he went for this god-awful shot and Rumble Johnson just rained down on him like the wrath of God. So. Yeah. And so, you know, Brian Bader, if he shows up, I think he can do really well, because I, you know, I believe that he has cleaned up his, his Muay Thai pretty well, so he's got the striking aspect, he's improved it, and if he uses his wrestling in the right way, and if he's smart about it, and he sets up his takedowns with his hands and his feet, I think he can cause a lot of trouble for his opponent. Yeah, definitely.
0: Um... But you know, if I was standing across the cage from Anthony Jones, I might die from across the cage <laughs> as well. Um, more so after his knockout of Glover Teixeira. But yeah, definitely an interesting fight there. So uh, the uh, the upper part of this card, heavy on the uh heavy on the light heavyweights, which is always a good time, always exciting fighters. So I gotta ask you, Jeff, Usually we're we're uh, drinking some IPAs lately during these shows. Uh, I gotta ask you, what's your opinion on wine? How do you feel about it?
1: You know, Bill, I'm not a big wine guy. I'm not. But, uh, I was following your Snapchat yesterday, and you looked like you were having a good time, uh, with your dog and some wine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
0: I absolutely was. So I went to, uh, out to central Jersey in, uh, Mercer County, and, uh, I visited a winery called Working Dog Winery. So, you know, not everything has to be Beers and shots and and whiskey on the rocks. Although you know a reason this podcast is called MMA on the rocks because I do,
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> I do very often enjoy a, a good whiskey on the rocks. But um, you know, every now and then, nice relaxing Sunday, uh, a bottle of wine kind of hits the spot. So I, I really enjoyed this winery, and I, I'm a I'm a red drinker. I'm not big on white wines, but. You know, they had a couple of nice whites, so you can go in there and do a tasting for five bucks, um, so you can try, I think, five of their wines, they had about, you know, 30 different ones you could choose from, I really went towards the uh, their uh, Cab Franc, which is a red wine, it's a Cabernet blend, and uh, it was, had a nice little smokiness to it, obviously I like that, you guys have heard me talk about the way I like my whiskey smoky, so, Uh, I go for dry, smoky wines as well, and all their red wines were on the dry side, which was definitely great for me. I'm not a big, sweet wine uh, drinker. I'm not a big, sweet anything drinker or eater, but uh, definitely a good time and a dog-friendly property, so you can go and and bring your dog and kind of walk around the vineyard and, uh, you know, order a pizza, have a bottle of wine, and and just kind of chill. They got... Adirondack chairs out in the backyard. Uh, I'll post some pictures. So if you're a wine drinker in the New Jersey area, I would definitely recommend heading down to Working Dog Winery. Um, you know, sample some wines, take a walk around. If you got a dog, bring him or her along. I know my dog enjoyed it. Um, she didn't get to enjoy the wine because she gets a little out of hand. Uh, once, <laughs> 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 once I, uh, you know, once she starts hitting the bottle. No, but um. Definitely a cool, cool winery. Definitely a chill spot to hang out on a Sunday afternoon.
1: So, I had a good time.
0: But, uh, anything else going on in the MMA world that's kind of roasting your brain right now, Jeff?
1: I mean, I can't think off anything off the top of my head. Uh, I feel like the U, like you said, the UFC is spoiling us these next few weeks. And I'm really excited to see what goes down.
0: Yeah, I am too. I mean, part of me feels like I could use a, a breather and I could you know, recoup and, and maybe, you know, sit down one weekend and, and write some articles or, or even read a book, <laughs> something crazy. <laughs> Let's get wild here. Um, but, yeah, no, I'm definitely excited for this card coming up, and then the week after equally is exciting. So uh, maybe we'll be back um, before Saturday night's card or, you know, we'll do the usual Sunday breakdown, Sunday-Monday breakdown, something like that i uh, I can't really stick to a timeline, but who cares right as long as we got good drinks and good conversations so Jeff if you got nothing else, thanks for calling in today.
1: Thanks for having me on the show Bill. It is always a pleasure awesome well
0: let's uh let's keep in touch I want to keep this uh community shot uh aspect of the show going so thanks to Cat leg cake m a at the beard and the man at Bryant Matt. 8,500 all on Twitter. Thanks for your input and your opinions. We appreciate you keeping the conversation going. As always, hit us up on Twitter at MMA on the Rock. Let us know what you're thinking and drinking. Until next time, goodbye everybody. Good night.